from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Hanging out with you inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. We're also live on Facebook, facebook.com backslash live now dt with you here this morning we appreciate you being here and shout out to everybody that listens in watches the show however you connect with the show shout out to billy owens who has been on the show and is now one of our listeners and viewers to shelton prescott to all the former syracuse players to our connections to occ syracuse lemoyne obviously hobart with stefan thompson and Oswego, I mentioned Syracuse before, as well as the AAC, the ACC, the entire NFL, the Jacksonville Jaguars. However you're connecting with the show, Marywood University, my alma mater, uh, thank you to everybody that's been involved. Uh, Cornell, Colgate, Binghamton, thank you, thank you, thank you to each and every place. Uh, West Genesee, as well as Liverpool, uh, CBA, ESM that have been involved with us, CNS, thank you so much for all that you do and, and to all the local high schools and, and all the local kids out there, whatever sport you're playing, whatever you're doing, or if you're not playing a sport, if you're a mathlete, if you know, if you're out there just living life and enjoying it and getting your studies done, whatever you fancy in this wonderful community, thank you for making wake up call a part of your day. And for all athletes, for all students, for all parents, for alumni, administration, everybody, we appreciate this community, and I thank you so much. And we got to do a live show in the community last night with West Genesee uh, Boys Basketball. We're going to be airing that on the show this week, and I'm always just completely and utterly honored to be able to be around uh, such great people. So thank you, as always, to all of you. And, and Stefan Thompson is, is no slouch to any of this. He is doing a tremendous job in his first season as head coach of his alma mater at Hobart for the men's basketball team, Division Three. And so without further ado, I, I proudly welcome him back to the show. He got to do a jump-off kind of welcome broadcast a couple months ago, and he's here with us today to speak on a team that is currently, at the time we're talking, 12-3 and on the season, having a fantastic season, and I'm very happy for him and, and very much appreciate all that he's doing in our community. So with that being said, let's bring him on. Stefan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dan. Good morning. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to jump back on here with you. So thank you. Yeah, no, I definitely appreciate you spending some time and hanging out with us. Before we get to anything on the season and whatnot, I mean, how how is the holiday season? You do anything special? Are you celebrating Christmas? You do anything for New Year's? How How, how did you jump into the new year? How did you end last year? Uh, Christmas was awesome. Got a chance to head back to Syracuse for a few days and spend some time with the family, which is always great. You know, uh, when you're in basketball season, that Christmas break kind of sneaks right up on you and it goes by fast. Um, our, our guys actually returned to campus on December 28th. So uh, New Year's, we spent it together as a program. We went to a hibachi dinner and really just had a good time and reconnected and, and really checked in with each other to make sure um, you know, everyone was excited to be back and had a good time at home with their families, but uh, it flew by, but the new year's been great. I'm enjoying it. Um, you know, the team's doing awesome, so I really can't complain. Stefan Thompson joining us here, the head coach of the Hobart men's basketball team. Uh, Stefan, for you, you got to come home, you got to enjoy, you got to be around Syracuse and whatnot. 
anybody that you try to see, any mentors, any friends, anybody that you really needed to make sure that you came back and hung out with when you got some time at home? Besides family members, uh, I always try to make a stop up to CBA or, you know, go catch one of their games. So I was able to, you know, talk with Coach McClinsky and Coach Leon up there. And uh, shout out to Coach W, who was able to just get his 500th victory, which is a tremendous honor. Uh, but when I was home, I was able to chat with him and, you know, just reconnect and, and hear how his team's doing and, and just gain some valuable insight about the area and basketball. Uh, besides that, I always try to make sure I catch up with Mr. Barnaba and have a good phone conversation or a meal with him. Um, but uh, and occasionally, you know, you bump into some friends from high school. This year was actually my 10-year high school reunion. Yeah. Uh, so, so we got together and I was able to talk with some classmates and just kind of hear where everyone's at. You know, life flies by, but... You know, that's what uh, my routine usually is when I head home for the holidays. Speaking here with Stefan Thompson, once again, the head coach of the Hobart men's basketball team. Uh, Stefan, for you, I, I mean, when we look at this season so far, I mean, you're, you're back and you're, you know, you're in familiar digs. You're at your alma mater. We've talked about your history the last time you were on here. What does it mean to you to start off the way that this team has started off, to do the things that you've been able to do and kind of implement quickly here? What would you attribute the early success to? I would attribute it to our guys and uh, their ability to say they want to build something that's even bigger than themselves. Uh, you know, our seniors have talked to me and they said, hey, coach, we only get a chance to play for you for one year. But, you know, we want to establish a foundation that, you know, when we look back five to 10 years from now, we could say we help get that going. So I think our seniors have done an awesome job of being willing to embrace my teaching, embrace my coaching. And as a result, you know, the underclassmen have, uh, you know, stepped right into place and, and listened to the seniors. So I think we have a good collective identity um, and the guys themselves are on a mission to, you know, they, they want to win and they want to do something great and uh you know my credit must be given to the players i, I think they're really like-minded and uh they want to make sure that at the end of the day that they're building something that hope our basketball as our fans can look back on and say you know what that, that's a special program so i, I credit it all to the guys as, as to why we gotten off to a great start so far you talk about how the guys said to you that you know they, they want to do something special for you that you know that the team you know, cares and, and that these seniors are like, hey, you know, we, we know we're only here for a season, but we want to do right by you. Just what you could say about the maturity, the leadership. You know, I mean, you don't hear that. I mean, I've been doing this for over 17 years and you don't always hear something like that where, you know, where, where there is that that maturity and that wherewithal to say, hey, you know what? We want to build a foundation. We want to leave this great. So what can you say about how mature your team is and, and, and how strong they are in leadership and and maybe just what you could say about some of those personalities that came up to you and said such uh, big words and and obviously very meaningful words as well i think uh, all five of our seniors are just genuinely great people Uh, they come from great families um but i think they also understand the big picture uh, not many, you know, 22, 23-year-olds kind of see that, and I'm fortunate enough to be surrounded around young men who do. Um, and I think they know uh, that their time is ticking here wearing a uniform at Hobart Basketball. So uh, they've all had individual accomplishments throughout their basketball careers, whether, you know, it was in high school or here at Hobart, and they've kind of moved past that and uh, saw that, you know, the team is the most important thing for them. And as a result, I think they've even taken a step further to say not just the team but the program. Um, 
and I'm really excited to know that the younger guys in our program are learning from these seniors. You know, guys like Eden Florissard, Sam Allen are tremendous, just natural leaders. You know, Tucker, Jake, Preston, Matt Walsh are also tremendous leaders. And, you know, they uh, set the tone as a, a class, but they also make sure that, you know, when they're coming to practice every day, they're showing that hunger. They're showing that eagerness. Um, and it just establishes a standard of how, like, you should be operating when you're a Hobart basketball player. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm fortunate to be able to say this is my first senior class because uh, each one of those guys is special. And for you to to have something like that, to, to have this guy, I mean, you're a young guy. So to take over and have that, I mean, did you find that it was difficult maybe to establish some, some leadership? I mean, obviously you played there, so as a former player you could go from that angle. But being a younger coach, did you feel like you had to maybe earn their respect a different way or come at it from a different angle? How do you view that? I think I just had to be myself. Um, me already being on staff here as an assistant coach the last two years, the guys knew who I was. Right. Um, and I didn't want to make it seem that, you know, my title changed, so therefore I was going to change as a person. So I think the biggest thing I tried to do is continue to remain who I was. Um, but then also know that, uh, you know, sometimes as a head coach, you got to put your foot down and say, hey, this is what we're going to be about. And, you know, the guys embraced that. They didn't fight that. Uh, I think they actually wanted that um, because, you know, like you mentioned, I'm a young head coach sometimes you know when you're in this age bracket you could run a loose program and I wanted to make sure I was establishing a tight-knit program and uh the guys said you know what coach we like when you get on us you know you we like when you challenge us we like when you hold us accountable so that has just made me embrace my role as a head coach a little more easy um, and it came natural to me to just make sure that at the end of the day I'm a leader for the program and those guys are looking at me so you know I want to display what uh, a good leadership looks like absolutely and and speaking here with Stefan Thompson the head coach of Hobart's uh, men's basketball team in Division Three, establishing that leadership and, and like you said, not looking like I'm going to switch position. You know, I'm, I'm going to go from an assistant to a head coach, and now all of a sudden I'm going to be a different person. Was that difficult for you to to not change your personality, or is that something that you've just been comfortable and confident in all the way through? So you know, you were able to make that transition. How did you handle? You know, okay, I, I don't want to change who I. I'm M to these guys, but I do at the same time want to make sure that, you know, I establish some leadership. Was it easy for you to transition? Did you find yourself kind of having to have a Stefan to Stefan moment? How did, how did it come about? I think to be honest, Dan, I'm still transitioning. Yeah. Um, you know, it's my first year running the program. So every day, every week, there's a new challenge that, uh, you know, I haven't faced before. And I think the biggest thing is uh, making decisions but also understanding that you're trying to set a good precedent. You know, I don't want in my first year to make a decision and two or three years from now, I completely flipped the script and our guys are like, hey, he didn't do that last time. Like, So I, you know, tried to make sure, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking things through um, and trying to be the guy that, I'm making decisions not for the short term, but for the long term. And I think that's really helped me um, as a young coach because, you know, the one thing I'm lacking is experience. So I just try to think, uh, you know, how can this look, you know, a couple of years down the line? And you know, I think the transition itself has helped me as a person mature more. Um, I think, to be honest, like I'm a big brother uh, to a guy in the locker room, but I'm also kind of a big brother to the other 20 guys that are, you know, in our program. So, you know, we're trying to make sure that every day, uh, 
we're getting those guys better and putting them in an environment where they feel comfortable. Um, and that starts with me at the top. So I've really been cautious of, uh, you know, trying to, you know, uh, mend my uh, flaws and continue to get better. So the guys see that, that I'm hungry to get better. And at the end of the day, if we can continue to strive for success, then we all will get better one day at a time. Absolutely. And, and, and in having that, you know, getting better one day at a time, where have you seen yourself grow? Where has it been, Stefan? You know, what can you say about maybe the, the biggest place where you've grown or, you know, places? What, what have you taken when you when you take that moment to kind of look in the mirror, and engage that uh, moving from an assistant to a head coach? Where have you seen growth in yourself? I think uh, just projecting out. Um, as a head coach, you, you have to see the long term. Um, yeah. You have to anticipate what's going to come two weeks, maybe a month, maybe a year down the pipeline. So I think uh, really scheduling things out, um, seeing the big picture, you know, just trying to anticipate what's going to come is where I've seen the most growth in myself. Because uh, as an assistant coach, you're kind of bunkered into, you know, who's the next recruit I'm going to call or, you know, what's the scouting report I got to put together and you don't necessarily see what's coming down the pipeline. So, you know, I credit myself to, you know, trying to be – uh, very, very prepared for everything that potentially could come. Because as a head coach, sometimes you have to prepare for things that never even happened, but you want to make sure you have that kind of anticipated. So I think that's the one area I see growth in. And then the second area I think is, um, you know, learning on the fly. Yeah. I think uh, you have to be able to do that in this industry as a coach because the game's always changing. And that's something I want to pride myself on for the rest of my career, not just as a first-year head coach. You know, hopefully if I'm doing this 15, 20 years from now, I'm still learning on the fly because uh, the game of basketball is instinctual. Um, and running a program, sometimes you have to make uh, kind of impromptu decisions. So yeah. those are the two areas I, I've seen myself grow so far. I got to ask you this that goes well off the, the path of what we're talking about here, but I'm putting up two pictures on the Facebook Live, facebook.com backslash live now DT. So as I put them up here, I will describe it to you. I have you in a suit. Now, whose wedding was this? Where did you go for this when you're wearing the suit or was just this just for fun? Is it a navy suit? Uh, yeah, it's a, na- it's a navy suit. It got a little boutonniere on and all the good stuff. <laughs> I was down uh, in South Carolina. I was at one of my best friend Greg Stern's weddings. Greg's actually a JD grad and played here at Hobart, so uh, that was at his wedding there. It was a great time. Okay, now I-, I got another guy in a suit here, and I don't have him looking the same way. I can't find that serious picture, but I have a somewhat serious one, Pharrell Williams. Uh, so I got to ask you here, do you ever get compared? Because I'm seeing it in this moment. So I got him side by side. I like Pharrell. NERD is amazing. He's done a tremendous job. He's got great songs, great messages. He does a lot of good things out there. I'm seeing a little bit of Pharrell in you. Have you ever gotten that before? That's the first time I've ever gotten that, but I'll take it. You know, Pharrell's been looking the same age for the last 20 years, so hopefully I can resemble that. I would take that. Do you have a favorite song by NERD or, you know, anything that Pharrell's done? Is something stick out to you? Do you like his music? Um, I like Pharrell and Jay-Z collabing a lot. Okay. Um, I would probably say... I think he's on Change Clothes with Jay-Z. It's probably my favorite, probably Pharrell songs that comes to mind. Okay, all right. So, yeah, but I just, I saw the resemblance, so I had to side-by-side. And you got to be happy here because, you know, the last time we did a side-by-side, it was one of the guys who was on my show and TJ Big Boy because they looked similar. So, <laughs> so the, and I consider that a compliment. I like TJ Big Boy, but, you know, he used to be right North Syracuse with us where uh, Basil Leaf is now. But, you know, I, I, think, I think comparing you to Pharrell – is probably a better comparison that, that most people would rather have at this point. Hey, I will take that, man. I'm not going to complain on my end. <laughs> Fair enough. So you were talking about growth 
And, you know, like you said, you're kind of still going through it. You're, you're still uh, realizing it and whatnot and seeing different things in yourself. Uh, who do you pull from? Who are some of the mentors, maybe some people who, who's, you know, who you like to kind of call and just pick their brain a little bit as you are growing as a leader and as a head coach? Who do you pull from? Well, I'd say immediately just my staff around me. Uh, Sean Smiley is an awesome job as our assistant coach, and Dennis Pysnick as well as our assistant. Uh, both guys bring different strengths to the table, and Coach Pysnick's been here at Hobart for over 30 years. So, you know, he's seen the good, the bad, the ugly, and, you know, just gaining his insight's been valuable to me. And, and Sean played at the Division One level at UB, um, so he kind of understands the game of basketball at a high level. Um, but outside of, like, our program, I would say uh, Mike Neer, is a guy that I pick his brain on a lot, uh, the, the former coach at Rochester, the former coach here at Hobart. Uh, he's won a national championship. He just gets it. Um, so he's a guy I, you know, I text. I have a phone call with every couple of weeks here. Um, I would say Izzy Metz down at Wilkes University. He's also my mentor. He's the one that recruited me to here to Hobart and I played for. Uh, those are guys that just know – who I am and I know who they are so uh, we can have genuine conversations um, and I take their criticism I take their input uh, and you know I just try to make sure that at the end of the day I, I'm learning to put our team in the best position but those are the two people that kind of come to mind um, and then within our athletic department here at Hobart we got some great leaders um, and William Smith as well Allison uh, the head coach up at William Smith soccer is a person that I'll lean on a good amount you know, she's runs one of the best uh, soccer programs in the country um, and then Sean Griffin the head soccer coach here at Hobart's also a veteran coach that you know I'll go down to their office and just pick their brains because um, you know they, they've done things that I've never done before they've been in situations I haven't been so uh, they've been valuable assets to me uh, as I'm going through this first year of head coaching here at Hobart. And so for you I mean to be able to do that and be able to, to, to pull from so many different people when you get that all together and all that information comes together for you how do you kind of, I mean, if you get different views, obviously, how do you kind of put it all together? Because I like to have that. And I think it's something that doesn't get spoken about enough. You know, I have like my inner circle of people. And so, you know, some of them are in the family, some of them are friends, some of them might be in the business, you know, some of them might be like business partners and whatnot. But I have a group of people that I, I really do trust. And I feel like have my, my best, you know, they, they have the best intentions in mind, and they want me to be the best I could be. It just and then when I when I go through kind of what they have to say, I have to to kind of piece it together and then look at what I want and then throw that into a giant pot and come out with something that hopefully tastes good. So how do you do that? Because that's not something that gets discussed enough is you pull from different people and then ultimately you put it all together and you try to find a good product. What's your process of, of doing something like that? I think the main point is listening. Um, you know, sometimes you go to these people and you want to vent, but I've learned that, you know, if you listen to them, they're going to give you what you need to hear. And, uh, the big part the next wave of that is then seeing how that information they shared and, uh, with you can then be applied to you because everything that they share with you doesn't necessarily fit the timing of the situation that you need to correct or fix or even think about. Um, and what I always find Dan, is like, after I have these conversations, whether it's something they told me directly um, or indirectly, but I, you know, I usually walk away inspired. And I think if they can just inspire me to, to think further or think from a different angle, uh, the answer or the solution usually kind of just stumbles upon me, whether it's immediately or, you know, in my dreams in the middle of the night or, you know, two weeks later. Um, so I don't necessarily have a direct process of how I pro uh, go through the information, 
Um, but I just look for it to kind of point me in the right direction and just pay attention to the cues. And then at the end of the day, try to, you know, evaluate the situation um, on an individual base and see if whatever information I gather can actually fix it or not. For you to go through that process and like you said, to try and, and, and to listen, it's something that this world doesn't seemingly do a lot always lately is listen to i shouldn't see not all of us but you know the listening to other people's opinions the talking over and if i get louder and if i get higher and then maybe they'll shut up so that i can say what i want to say or you know they say that there's people that listen to hear and there's people that listen to speak they listen to wait for you to finish so that they can go on to their next one how important is it to listen and truly listen in your opinion and and do you feel like it's gotten harder these days? I think listening is one of the best qualities someone can have. Uh, we always talk about like public speaking courses and you know how to articulate things. So you know talking is usually the emphasis on things, but I think listening is actually more important because that's where the learning comes in. Um, and when you're a leader in a program, and I'm dealing with uh, you know assistant coaches and players, uh, sometimes when I'm talking, uh, they're not actually getting a what I'm trying to get across to them. Whereas if I listen, I can kind of see what they need to hear and I can fill in from there. Uh, but I agree with you, you know, the, the quality of listening in today's era has definitely depreciated. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that contribute to that, but I just think, uh, you know, conversations, you know, have diminished uh, in our era right now, you know, texting and social media, obviously great, but uh, you know, sometimes those replace a, a face-to-face conversation and even someone picking up the phone and having a conversation. So therefore the uh, skills of listening haven't been uh, developed at the high level, which, you know, generations before that's all they had to rely on. You know, you go sit down, have a cup of coffee with someone or a meal and you talk for hours and boom, you're good. Um, so I definitely agree. I think uh, the art of listening is depreciated, but it doesn't take away from the value of it. And that's something I try to remind myself of um, on the daily. And, and I tell that with our guys too. Um, you know, sometimes when you go have a conversation with someone and you might be starting to solve an issue, you know, don't be the one to, you know, hold court and dominate the conversation by talking. Just listen. Because when you listen, you might be able to find uh, what you need to do to you know, correct your situation. Speaking here with Stefan Thompson, the head coach of Hobart's men's basketball team for Division Three the importance of not having kind of going off of all that and going off of listening and and going to your inner circle and and speaking with them, the importance of not having yes men or yes women. I say this all the time. I don't have any yes people in my life. The people in my family that are actually blood that I talk to, they tell me, you know, what they feel is best. They listen, they try to get to know me, get to know the situation from all angles, want to know what did I do right? What did I think that I maybe done wrong? Just the, the full thing, tell me everything, Dan, and let me piece it together. That's how my family is. That's how my friends are. You know, that's how my significant other is. That uh, There's something to be said about, and people that I work with in business and whatnot, not having yes people. What can you say about that, the importance of not having a yes man or a yes woman in your life that just simply agrees with, every, with everything you have to say, whether or not it's going to help you? You know, there's the yes people, and then there's the people that might tell you the tough stuff that you don't want to hear, but you kind of, if you, if you, if you really take the time to self-reflect, you already know, and you might be searching for, for somebody else to say it. So what's the importance of not having yes people, but instead having people that constructively always want to make sure that you're going in the right direction? I always try to seek out like that tough criticism and the critique, to be honest, like there's so many people that, uh, 
can obviously hand out compliments and things of that nature. But I've saw, you know, in the past how that can be a negative, you know, having yes people around you inflate your ego and it makes you think that you can't do any wrong. Um, but, you know, where I come from, as we talked about before, uh, you know, reality is harsh sometimes. And, you know, one of the things we always say in my community is you got to keep it real with people. Um, and I uh, value relationships with people who can keep it real with me. You know, there's times where, hey, we might go on a, you know, four or five game winning streak, but we come in the office and, you know, one of the assistant coaches says, hey, man, we made a bad decision right here in the point of the game, man, we got to correct that next time. And like, that's the stuff I want to hear because, uh, you know, those are people who are, are striving to get better. Uh, it's easy to get complacent. I think sometimes when you get yes people around you, um, it leads to complacency. So, you know, as a result, I try to seek out that criticism from the people I trust. I think that's a, a thin line too because, you know, you can get criticism from people who have no idea what they're talking about. So uh, you have to be able to filter that information and, and take it for what it is. But at the end of the day, um, you know, hearing the tough stuff can actually uh, be more beneficial than hearing the nice stuff. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the thing is if, if you get people that don't really care what the situation is but just want to agree with you, how are you growing as a person, you know, and, 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 that's, and that's the reality of it all. So have you felt that maybe some of your best moments have come from hearing advice that you really didn't want to hear? Maybe it pissed you off at first. Maybe it made you a little bit angry and you walk out of the room and you kind of want to hit something and then two months down the road you're like, damn it, that person really said something that, that got to me. Did you ever have a moment like that where maybe it upset you at first that the tough love and and then you kind of thought back on it randomly on a Tuesday and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I need to call that person and say thank you. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the one person that comes to my mom, her mind is my mom, obviously. And it was like one vivid moment. You know, I was probably about 11 years old and I had to take the trash out. And she was like, hey, you know, Stefan, are you going to bring the garbage out? And I was like, yes, mom, I'll do it. And she was like, why the attitude? I was like, I don't have an attitude. I said, I take the garbage out. And she goes, it's not what you said. It's how you said it. And at the moment, I didn't understand that. But now looking back on it, it's like one of the most valuable things I come back to in my life is it's not what you say. It's how you say it. Um, so, you know, she taught me that at a young age. And, you know, there's other obviously countless moments around my life where someone said something where I didn't actually want to take it. Um, but looking back on it, it has been the right insight. And I think that's where, uh, you know, the self-reflection piece comes in and where you have to kind of mitigate the ego and say you know what you know right from wrong it doesn't matter who, who it comes from um but if it fits you and it's the right decision then you just got to take that advice and go forward with it and you know and then that's the thing like you said it's not what you say it's how you said it that's something that has always been on my mind my parents the same and uh, even in relationships today or you know uh, with 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 my significant other, when I talk with her, she'll say, fix your, she'll say, if I say like, oh, I'm happy about this, she'll say, tell your face. Because if you don't look happy, you know, that's something to be said. And Eugene Waldron just said spot on on that. Uh, Gene said, hey, Stefan, hope all is well. And, uh, and hey to you too, uh, Gene said hello to both of us this morning. But I think we spoke about him before the last time you were on the show. But Gene Waldron, former Syracuse player, somebody who's great in our community, someone who has spoken with me about overcoming adversity, doing right by themselves, who continually is trying to make himself a better and better person and progress in life and always be on the incline, which I think is awesome for Gene. He, uh, he wished you a good morning this morning. I wanted to let you know that. I appreciate that. Good morning to Gene. He's been making a huge impact in the Syracuse community for a long time. And uh, to see where he's at now and continue to do that is, is really impressive. It's it's inspiring to me to say, you know what, people can, you know, stick around for a long time and continue to do what they do and impact lives. Well, and that's the thing, you know, I mean, for you, you're, 
You're so young. I mean, tell everybody who doesn't know how old you are right now. I'm 29 years old right now. 29 years old, head coach of a Division three program. This has got to be, I mean, when you were dreaming this up and you were thinking about this and you were in your playing days, did you ever have the notion that you would be a head coach this young and have this type of an opportunity that some people wait until they're, you know, I mean, 40s, 30, I mean, late 30. I mean, they might be an assistant coach for a very long, might be an assistant coach for 20 years before something like this happens to be a head coach at any level. So did you ever dream up anything like this or is this beyond all of your wildest dreams? Definitely beyond my dreams. Um, you know, I wanted to be a head coach, but I never could put a time frame on it. And, you know, looking at the industry, I just said, like, you know, there's not many young head coaches around. So right now, I honestly feel like an anomaly. Um, but I also am a fortunate uh, for the situation, and I'm thankful for it. So I try to remind myself a lot uh, of that. But the big thing for me is, you know, I want to continue to to build a skill set and, and build a, a career where I can sustain this and, you know, hopefully put a career together like a guy like Jim Behan, you know, and do it for 40-plus years. Um, that's my ultimate goal is to be a lifer in the game. So, you know, I know I'm young, I'm 29 and it's pretty crazy to say that and to run my own program and, you know, I'm learning a lot. Um, but, uh, I'm really appreciative and fortunate to be in this position. And for you to have the team where they are right now, they're 12 and three on the season. I do want to jump into the season as we're here with Stefan Thompson here on wake up call with Dan Tortora, Hobart men's basketball head coach and, Stefan, look at the season, 12-3. and three. At one point, the team went on a 10-game a winning streak. That 10-game winning streak started back on November 22nd of 2019 and went all the way through to January 11th of 2020, uh, just a few days back here. What can you say about the 10-game winning streak that began with your de- with your defeat over uh, Baldwin-Wallace University and went all the way to January 11th against Ith- Ithaca College? Well, we had uh, started off kind of slow the first two games of the year. We uh, played down at NYU, which is a great game. We yeah. were down by double digits, and uh, that's when I really knew I had a resilient team. They fought back, and we ended up getting the win. Uh, but then the next couple of games, you know, we still didn't play great. We had a road game over at Brockport, ended up losing that one. But uh, that kind of made us look ourselves in the mirror, and uh, our seniors, again, a credit to them, had their own meeting and, and really just challenged the program to say, what does our identity want to be? And they started to figure it out, and uh, it showed the power of when guys have a collective mindset, what can be accomplished, and that really fueled us to go on that 10-game win streak. And, you know, we played some very difficult opponents. Uh, Ball Wallace was ranked number 22 in the country at the time when we played them. Uh, St. John Fisher and Rochester are great regional programs. Um, and then, obviously, we had some league games here. And then we go down to uh, Washington, D.C., and we play Ursinus, who you know, plays in a great centennial conference. And then we uh, play in the championship game versus Catholic University, which is a you know very storied program. And they actually have a, a 315 guys, their head coach, Aaron Kelly, West Tennessee grad. Um, and just to see our guys uh, every day come back with a hunger and desire to keep getting better and, uh, you know, take each game one game at a time is, is how we're able to put that win streak together. You know, when you're in it as a coach, you know, I try to ignore the streaks and just look at it, uh, who's up next and how can we get better and, you know, what areas we need to clean up. And next thing you know, you're out of 10 in a row and it kind of flies by. But, uh, you know, I'm fortunate to say I was able to do that in my first season. It's been fun. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, our goal is to play our best basketball at the end of the season, not in the beginning or not in the middle. 
So as you continue to grow here, what are you learning about the team at this point? I know you spoke in the beginning of the season about resiliency and what this team was able to do and, and fight back. You, you thought that it you know, started off maybe a little bit slow at the beginning of the season, but when you go back and look at those first couple games, you got a win over NYU in New York City, and you lost to Brockport in, in Brockport only by 175-74. What do you learn up to this point 15 games in as you continue to grow this team? And, and obviously against Union you had a loss, and against Rensselaer you had a loss. In the middle of that you defeated Vassar. So what have been these teachable moments 15 games in? I think uh, competitively we have a group of guys that every day they, they want to go at each other, um, and they know the level of competitiveness they got to be at every day. Um, and I thought, you know, recently that level kind of tapered off, and as a result it showed on the court. So you know, I think the one big thing I learned is, uh, you know, every day we got to make sure that we're going against each other, whether it's practice, lifting, shoot-around film, as if it's the, the championship day. Um, but as a result, I also know these guys are uh, really resilient. As I mentioned earlier, they're able to put things behind them really quick and, and kind of bounce back, and they're quick learners. Uh, you know, there's some groups who just get into a funk and, and can't get out of it. You know, I don't sense that with these guys at all. You know, every day they come into the gym with excitement. They're ready to have fun, uh, which makes my job a lot more enjoyable every day. Um, so I think at the end of the day, I've learned so far from this group that they're on a mission. Uh, they see the big picture of what they're trying to accomplish, and they thoroughly enjoy being around each other, whether it's on the court, uh, hanging out, going to get dinner together. Uh, and that's what makes usually for a, a team to have success is all the other components that go into you know playing the game of basketball. Do you feel like you're spoiled having the team that you have right now? I mean, does it feel like, you know, just like you talked about the seniors and, and everything that you've gotten up to this point, does it does it feel spoiled to, to have a group of guys that are like this? Uh, I, I don't know if spoils the world, but I, know, I feel thankful. <laughs> I yeah. Um, you know, most guys who get their first time uh, as a head coach, they have to kind of go in and rebuild a program. And, you know, I'm thankful for what Coach Sweeney was able to establish here. And then obviously uh, with myself, Coach Smiley, and Coach Pizek already being on staff here, we knew the guys. So I think we kind of built our program with a leg up a little bit. Um, so I'm definitely thankful for that. And uh, the guys in the locker room, at the end of the day, it's, it's a player's program. So it taught me early, you got to trust your players you got to have the right people around you and really just give them an environment where they can be the best versions of themselves and that's what we're trying to do to have you know what you have you, you talked about your seniors and what your seniors have been able to give to this program uh, are you seeing some of the the young guys step up as well or are you seeing you know other pieces of your future start to establish some leadership as you move forward absolutely um you know our definition of leadership dan is uh, leadership equals influence so that doesn't have an age bracket on it. And I think our young guys have embraced that too. Um, they might not have the uh, game or practice experience to know what it's like to go through the rigors of Liberty League play and play back-to-back -back games, but they also have other things that they can influence on. You know, I think our young guys are ultra-cautious of their body. You know, They're in the training room and they're lifting uh, multiple days a week, so I think that just influences the other guys to say, you know what, Like, I know I'm already strong and I'm a junior or a senior, but shoot, like, I'm going to keep going because this young guy is coming and chasing me. So you know, I'm excited about you know our freshmen, sophomore, and even 
even our junior class, the guys that are going to be returning into you know the program next year, uh, that they're all trying to embrace their own individual ways of leading. You know, there's guys who aren't unfortunately getting minutes in our program, but they're some of the biggest leaders we have. Uh, they bring it every day, and uh, I think uh, the one big thing we stress as a program, especially as a head coach, is that you want to establish habits in your life right now. They're going to benefit you once you go into the real world. So, and that leadership component is vital to us because you know whether your basketball career ends tomorrow or you know a couple of years from now, we want you to be a leader when you're uh, getting that banking job or when you're a doctor or when you're an educator. Uh, so we really try to stress that, and our young guys have uh, really embraced that and have kind of carried the torch to say, you know what, this is how we want our program to be. Here with Stefan Thompson, Hobart College men's basketball team. Stefan, before I let you go. The rest of the season is obviously spent inside of the Liberty League. I want to take a look at the Liberty League. At the at the time that we're speaking here, RPI is undefeated in conference at 7-0, 12-2 overall. Ithaca is 6-1. You are 6-2. Union is 6-2. And, and then from there, it's the other side of it. A losing record, Skidmore 3-4. Uh, Vassar 2-5. RIT 2-5. St. Lawrence and Clarkson also 2-5. And, and, and Bard is 0-7 uh, at this point right now. Just what you could say about the conference as a whole, maybe you know that that we look at more than half the conference with a losing record. How that how that may you know not adequately show the level of competition in your opinion. Just what your takeaways have been from the Liberty Liberty League up to this point, as we are in the twenty uh, fifth anniversary of the league. So uh, this coming weekend, we travel up to the North Country and play Clarkson and St. Lawrence, and that'll put a bow on the first round of us playing everybody. And, you know, just going through the league play so far is, you know, each team is good. Like, everyone has great players. Everyone's coached well. Um, and then as conference play, it comes down to is just matchups and playing style and, you know, who can kind of expose your weaknesses. So, you know, there's uh, teams obviously up at the top who have gotten off to a good start. There's some teams in the middle there. Uh, but I think this second half of Liberty League play is going to get ultra competitive, um, especially when you play a team for the second time. You're going to know what kind of adjustments you need to make or things you should have did differently. So, you know, I'm excited for the league play here. We only got 10 games left, and then we head into the tournament. And, um, you know, I like where we're at right now as a team. Uh, but I think we can still find ways to improve. Um, at the end of the day, our guys are, are hungry to keep getting better. So the conference itself makes you have to do that, Dan. With a back-to-back schedule of Friday, Saturday, those games come at you quick, man. Yeah. Um, and, and you got to find a way to you know keep staying inspired and and keep pushing yourself to never be satisfied. But the conference is a, is a great league, and you know I think it shows that we beat some other conference teams too that are, are well-respected programs across the board. So you know I'm excited to. See see what the, the league has in store for us the next uh, 10 games here. Who are some of the teams out of conference that you defeated that you feel, you know, are those wins, like you said, uh, well-respected teams? Who are some of those teams? Uh, looking back on this guy, I think Catholic University recently, um, you know, very good program. Or Sinus is good, too. Um, and then in the area here, I think Rochester and Fisher are all respected programs. Uh, NYU being a UAA league opponent uh, is good for us to get a win. So, you know, everyone on our schedule is good. You know, Coach Sweeney uh, packed us with a very competitive schedule. and We didn't dodge anybody. Uh, so all of our opponents, you know, the ones we've beaten, the ones we lost to are really good programs. So I compliment them all. You've played RPI, you've played Ithaca, and you've played Union. All the teams in the top four uh, with you right now. Uh, once again, Union six and two, Ithaca six and one, RPI seven and zero. Oh. What have you taken away from RPI and Union, and, and with Ithaca 
their their only loss in conference is to you, is to Hobart. So just what you could say about these other teams that are currently at the top of the conference with you. Uh, each of them are, are different teams. Um, I think uh, each of them as well are starting to find their stride, too, of who they want to be and, and what they're going to do to win. Uh, RPI is one of the best defensive teams in the country. Uh, Ithaca is one of the best offensive teams in the country. Uh, Union is uh, one of the most balanced and scrappy teams that we've played. So I think uh, when you're looking at the top of the league there, you got to be able to uh, attack what those other teams do well and try to expose some of their weaknesses. Um, but all of them are really good. Uh, RPI obviously knocked us off here on our home court, and they, they brought it to us. I mean, they deserve to win the game. Uh, when we went to Union on the road, uh, they had some uh, energy that they wanted to, to knock us off because we had beat them by a hefty margin in the first game. So you can tell they're really uh, upset, and, and they set the tone that game, and we didn't match it, so they ended up beating us. And then the game down at Ithaca was a, a back-and-forth game, high energy, high intensity. And, you know, we were able to walk away with a win on the road. So uh, I'm excited to, to see how the league's going to shape out and where teams fall. But at the end of the day, uh, we're going to have to match up with these teams probably a third time. So we got to be ready to, to just keep going and keep competing. You got two more against RPI, who hasn't lost a game. You know, you mentioned how you, you've played all these teams before. You defeated Union, lost to Union most recently, but you got Ithaca back on the schedule coming up here. You have two against, uh, or, or pardon me, you just played RPI, so you got another one against RPI. Just what you could say about these these upcoming games and, and knowing that, you know, I mean, obviously there, there's going to be more teams, the RITs and the St. Lawrence's and Clarkson, as you had mentioned those, and Skidmore and, and Bard and whatnot and Vassar. But to know that RPI is is back again and Ithaca back again on the schedule, you'll get one of those at home and one on the road. Just what that's doing for you, knowing that you got another shot at them before you get into the conference tournament. Uh, we're gonna take those when they come up. You know, I think our biggest game right now is Clarkson uh, coming up here on Friday. They're good. Uh, they move the ball. They move bodies. They shoot a lot of threes. So, like as I mentioned before, a lot of teams present different challenges. So I try not to look too too far ahead. Because uh, that's a way to kind of get uh, someone snuck up on, and you yeah. never want to disrespect any of your opponents. So, uh, Clarkson and St. Lawrence this weekend up in the North Country, which is a tough trip. Um, and then after that, I think we got uh, Ithaca RIT. So, you know, we try to take one game at a time, Dan. Um, and then, you know, as I mentioned, we only get 10 more games. So, these five weeks are going to fly by for us here. Absolutely. That coming from Stefan Thompson. Stefan, final word here from you. Uh, you'll be back on the show, obviously, very, very soon here. We'll have you back on during the season as often as you'd like to come back we'd like to have you any any word about going into the new year 2020 on and off the court any words of advice for some people out there you're you seem to be a positive guy somebody who takes things in stride somebody who went through adversity and and you know obviously fought through it got to where he is today maybe even welcomes adversity now because you know you can get through it so what would be some words of advice at this point uh, it's 2020. It's a new opportunity to obviously get off to a fresh start. I think every new year presents that, but this year being unique, uh, it's a new decade. So I think uh, for all of us, you know, really uh, have that vision as to what we want to see for ourselves and the, the ones that are around us for the next five to ten years. And, and then just break it down into incremental stages and, and try to achieve it every day. Um, I have a quote on my wall. It's by Nipsey Hussle. Uh, one of the late great rappers that passed away here, but he goes, the best thing you can do for a person is inspire them. That's the best currency you can offer inspiration. So uh, I challenge all of us, you know, listeners to, to keep finding inspiration. And once you do share it with other people, because uh, eventually it'll come back to you. And if you can keep elevating those people around you, uh, it's going to make yourselves better. 
you know, and, and this seems to be the time of year where a lot of people are, you know, there's there's depression, Stefan, there's sadness, you know, around the holidays, people that are alone, people that may be lost, people that, you know, may have uh, made some mistakes and whatnot in life and are, you know, either can't change what some of the stuff is that they did or whatnot. It seems to be a tough time. We see a lot of that come up. There's also, you know, business-wise, from my perspective, I see a lot of businesses kind of run to the cliff and say, should I jump off? And it's the same every single uh, January that we see December into January. So what would be your words of advice for that, for people that are going through some hard times, some sad times? The, the holidays, you know, are happy, but they're also, you know, they, they also remind people of maybe some loss and some things that have gone on. And then the new year with January and it being cold, especially up north, and, and a lot of us liking to stay indoors. I know businesses sometimes go through some worries as well. So what would be your thoughts to the people out there that maybe went out of the old year into the new year with some of that worry, some of that fear, and some of those things that have gone on? My, my main point of advice would be is just to embrace it. Uh, it's a part of your story. It's a part of our story. And, and don't really hide from it or run from it. I think if you can face challenges – uh, face on it's going to allow you to overcome them and you'll be able to look back and say hey like at the moment it was pretty huge but uh, right now it's not that big um, so I'd say you know don't get too down keep going for it and uh, you know take on any challenge that's uh, right in front of you um, I think that's the exciting part about life like we always want the good things to come out of it uh, but sometimes you need some bad stuff to kind of refocus you recenter you and uh, make you reevaluate what you actually want to get done. So uh, appreciate the negatives as just much as you appreciate the positives. That coming from Stefan Thompson, Hobart men's basketball head coach, Division Three. They got plenty of games coming up here. And like you said, Clarkson and St. Lawrence going up to the North Country for these yeah. games coming up here. And listen, that's 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 where my lady is from. She is from the North Country. So God bless you for going up there. I, you can touch Canada from up there. So I, I hope I, I hope it stays warm to you, and I hope you get to slap some hands with some Canadians while you're up there. Yeah, we were throwing some snowballs over the border the last couple of years, you know, so we got to enjoy it while we're up there. Potsdam and Camp New York, you know, you got to love those places. Absolutely. Well, as always, Stefan, thank you for all that you do, and, and I look forward very much to uh, having you back on the show soon, and thank you for being a positive person in the community and just everything that, that you're doing. I mean, success comes to those who, who do right in this world, and, and you're a living example of that, so I hope it continues for you. Thank you, Dan. And the same to you, man. I appreciate everything you do for the 315 and our community. And just to see you, uh, you know, have like high school basketball players on and just to really give them that experience, man. These are things that people are going to remember for the rest of your, their lives. So uh, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. And I appreciate what you do for our area. Absolutely, man. Well, listen, thank you for that. That that, that really does. That hits the heart. So I appreciate that. And, and I look forward to talking with you soon. All right, Dan. You take care.